Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I said rhetorically on Twitter yesterday, I said, name one thing that you encounter on week to week. And there were over a thousand responses, which is kind of unusual. Because there is nothing you can count on week to week. As an example, take the New Orleans Saints. They had lost five of their last six. They were playing without their head coach and with their third different quarterback this season. And they just got bullied or they did the bullying of the defending champs. A team that many think is the team to beat. And New Orleans dropped a nice, swift ass kicking. Nice, swift ass kicking. On the Bucks. So if you're a Bucks player or you're a coach or a fan, that was embarrassing as hell. Under the bright lights for the entire world to see. I mean, it wasn't just that TB44 and the Bucks got shut out. I mean, that's bad enough. And it was so much worse than that 9 to nothing score would indicate. That 9 nothing defeat felt like a four-touchdown beatdown. Brady suddenly looked like the 44-year-old man that he is, and the Saints were all about letting him know it. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was trolling the hell out of Brady after the old man looked like a senior citizen on that fumble. Brady, pressure, gets out, he's going to run for it again. Jordan forced the fumble, and the Saints recover with Lattimore. What a game Cameron Jordan is having tonight. Once again, we see that lurking guy in the middle of the field and the looks that Tom Brady wants to take advantage of, and that's not one of them. <laughs> so, of course, everybody is going to say, oh, I wouldn't taunt. I would not taunt Tom Brady. You don't want to do that. That's not a guy you want to taunt. But do you really think that a guy like C.G.J. cares? My man is an internet troll in a jersey and shoulder pads. Man, that's who he is. That's how he rolls. He's going to let you know what he thinks about you. And there was nothing that TB44 could do about that because CGJ came right back and did this. Takes the snap. He's back to pass. Looking to his left. Rush coming. Brady flushed out to his right now. Throws down the field. And that's intercepted. Picked off on the far sideline by CJ Gardner-Johnson. And the Saints do it again. Gardner Johnson with his second pick of Brady this year. Well, they were having a hell of a lot of fun, weren't they? The Saints were having a good old time. Even their punter was clowning the Bucks and flexing on them. I mean, that went so terribly for Brady and the Bucks that the old dude was throwing tablets and F-bombing the Saints sideline. And the question is, was he joking with that F-bomb? Or was he the biggest crybaby on the planet? And the answer is yes. But it wasn't just the Bucks getting worked. There was so much more weirdness to that weekend. Man, you want to know how weird things got. You want to know how weird it was. Bill Belichick, I mean, so weird that Bill Belichick actually apologized to the media today. Yes, you heard that correctly. William Stephen Belichick apologized to the media for how he spoke with the media on Saturday night. Look, fellas, I apologize if, you know, I seemed like I was a little short with you after the game. Um, you know, obviously a frustrating game. Down 20 to nothing. Didn't do anything well enough. I mean, there isn't really much to say at that point without watching the film. Clearly, we had problems in every area. You know, not, not really trying to be short, but honestly, there wasn't too much to say. I don't know that there's a whole lot more to say now, but 
you know, it's not your fault. That was a frustrating game. Wait, what? Who the hell is that? And what the hell have you done to the hood? I mean, that was perfect enunciation. There was no mumbling, and he straight up apologized to the media. Who the hell are you? And what the hell did you do with the hood? Hey, look, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be an alarmist. But when I start hearing Bill Belichick apologize for being quote a little short with the media after a game, man, I know the damn apocalypse is coming. It's upon us. The end is near. The end is near. And not the end for him, but the end for all of us. The end of the freaking world. Believe me, I heard that from him. I immediately, when I hear a guy like that, that guy, apologize to the media and do so deliberately and sound sincere and enunciate as clearly as he did, I don't know about you, the second I heard that, I started to accumulate and cobble together as much canned food as I possibly could. I broke ground on a fallout shelter. We don't have those things here in Cali. I don't even know what they look like. I've never even been in one. Nobody here has. I will have one done by the end of the week. Water, canned goods, and a fallout shelter. Because that just does not happen. Jim Rome, doomsday prepper if you need him. Because that does not happen. And it just did. Bill Belichick apologizing for being short with the media and meaning it? Look, fellas, I apologize if, you know, I seemed like I was a little short with you after the game. Yeah, like I apologize to every other person in the supermarket when I bought every single canned food item there was. Jim Rome, doomsday prepper. Anyway, that doesn't happen. And I'll tell you something else that does not happen. Legendary quotes like this one from Carson Wentz. So the Colts quarterback was pretty pissed off at the Patriots defense during Saturday's win. When he was asked about it afterwards, this is what he said. Don't even go into the specifics, obviously, but, you know, when a man's ability to reproduce is being in question and there's some other extracurriculars, uh, you know, guys' hands need to be in their side. All right. Not exactly sure where he was going with that, but I am sure that I need need to hear it one more time to see if I might make some sense of it. Don't even go into the specifics, obviously, but, you know. When a man's ability to reproduce is being in question and there's some other extracurriculars, uh, you know, guys' hands need to be in their side. Wait, so a man's ability to reproduce is being in question. It's kind of weird, man. A weird and elaborate way to say what happened. And honestly, I'm still not sure exactly what happened. Matthew Judon said he didn't know what the hell Wentz was talking about. And I'm not sure I do either. I mean, I could guess. Is he saying the guys were all up in here punching or grabbing or twisting his junk? Or was somebody in the pile actually just, I don't know, questioning his ability to procreate? Like, yo, Wentz, yo, man, you ain't never going to have kids. Like, were they talking that kind of junk in the pile? Or were people reaching for his junk in the pile? My guy, I know you probably don't want to be on mic 
talking about junk shots, but you're going to have to give me a little more to work with. All right? I'm not a mind reader. What does this mean, Alvin? A man's ability to reproduce is being in question, and there's some other extracurriculars. Uh, you know, guys' hands need to be on their side. Guys' hands need to be at their sides. All right, so if we're talking about a man's ability to reproduce being in question, quote, and other extracurriculars, what are the other extracurriculars? Again, I need to know the primary extracurricular, but what were some of the other extracurriculars? It's kind of a weird way to say whatever the hell it was he was trying to say. And I'm still not sure what he was trying to say. Are people grabbing at his junk? Are they affecting his ability to reproduce? I don't know. I don't know. Just part of a weird Sunday. And weird Sunday is the new normal. But the strangeness was not limited to the punk or the Bucks getting punked, the Pats getting hammered, and Wentz's ability to reproduce being when being questioned. How about the Detroit Lions? I said, how about the Detroit Lions? They didn't just beat the Arizona Cardinals. That was a straight hospital job from start to finish. You look at those two, you would have thought it was the Lions who were vying for the top seed overall and the Cards who were playing for the first pick overall in the next draft. Like, the Lions have not looked like that in a long time. And neither have the Cards. Losing to the Rams is one thing. That'll happen. Getting curb stomped by the Lions, though, that can never happen. But it just did. So nothing but respect to the Lions for how hard they play, how hard they've battled this year, and the fact that they are taking down big teams late in the season. Nothing but respect for that, even if it's going to cost you the number one pick overall. I get it. I respect it. Nothing but respect for that. However, nothing but disrespect, unfortunately, for the Cards' effort yesterday. I think you know how big of a Cardinals house this is. But they all look like, I mean, they all look like they would rather have been anywhere but where they actually were. And that happened after a pretty damaging loss the week before. Again, no shame in losing to the Rams, but unbelievable shame in not just losing to the Lions, but how they lost to the Lions. And honestly, for the first time this year, I've got a bunch of questions about Arizona because this has been a really bad week for them. You lose to the Rams at home on Monday, then you get wrecked by the Lions yesterday, and now they're facing Jonathan Taylor on Saturday. Craig Reynolds, the pride of Kutztown, a guy on his fourth team in the last minute, just ran for 112 yards on the cards, and now they have to deal with JT. Have fun with that. Good luck with that. I mean, the Arizona offense, what's going on? The offense is not moving the ball. DeAndre Hopkins is out for the rest of the regular season. In other words, now would be a very good time for them to wake the hell up. Oh, and speaking of waking up, has anybody checked on that dude that Debo Samuel trucked yesterday? I was on the pregame show on the NFL Today and CBS hyping the 49ers and Debo, and they picked me up and left A.J. Terrell picking up his mouthpiece. I mean, dudes offensively are not supposed to abuse defenders like that. That was incredible. 
incredible. The crazy thing about that play is not the fact that it's a wide receiver dipping a shoulder and then lowering the boom like that. It's the fact that Debo didn't really even know how hard he hit the guy until he saw the replay and he heard the reaction. He wasn't surprised because that's just how this guy does it. And he said as much. Not too many DBs want to be a part of it. Not going to lie to you. Yeah, I don't think a lot of DBs do want to be a part of that. But then again, rare is the time that you see a guy like that. And I don't want to say that Debo is a wide receiver or running back or what he is, whatever kind of hybrid he is. I just don't think you want that guy running straight into you the way he does. I don't remember the last time, other than seeing a guy like Heinz Ward, deliver that kind of punishment from that position. I mean, this dude is running with authority with his shoulder down, and you don't want to be standing in front of him when it happens. I mean, that is the truth. There are not too many DBs who want to be a part of that. However, all of his teammates did. It certainly fired up that freak George Kittle. When you have the opportunity with the ball in your hands to run through a guy's face, it really shows, you know, what type of guys, you know, that you're playing against. And Debo hit that guy pretty dang hard and took him a little bit to get up. It's a great way to put it. When you run through a guy's face, it's exactly what he did. He ran right through that dude's face. I love Debo. Debo is hardcore, man. That is a tough physical dude. And then on the subject of hitting hard, can somebody please explain the Pittsburgh Steelers to me? Because they looked absolutely terrible on offense in the first half against the Titans. I mean, how terrible? We're talking 35 net yards on the first 14 plays. They didn't convert a third down until there were 21 minutes left in that game. It felt like Tennessee was going to cruise to an easy three TD win. But then the Steelers come back with a vengeance, and the Titans completely melt down. There was this. There's the pass. McMath, was he down or not? Did he ever hit the ground? They say he didn't, and it's a turnover. The ruling on the field. Joe Hayden comes away with it. And then that Titan implosion was on. It would only get worse from there because there was also this. You know, we were talking about this in our production meeting before the NFL Today and CBS hit the air. Drew Kaliski said, I'm going to go around the room, and I want to ask you all, where do you think that we're going to be for the AFC Championship game if we travel to the AFC Championship game? And there was this school of thought that it's going to be Tennessee. They just have to handle their business, beat the Steelers, and they should, and then all be fine. Except all was not fine, even though it looked like they were going to handle their business, but they kept doing things like this. He steps in with a one-back look and a slot right. Oh, he fumbled a snap. It's there. And a big pileup. And the Steelers say they have it. Who has the ball? The fumbled snap ends up in Steelers' hand. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'll tell you who does not have the ball. The Titans. No, no, no. Any way they could cough up the ball, they coughed up the ball. And the Steelers did exactly what they needed to do to win that game. That is a brutal loss for the Titans, who could have moved into first place with a win and controlled their own destiny. At the same time, an amazing win for Pittsburgh. Not because they fixed all their problems, because I don't think they could fix all their problems, but because they found a way to work around them and still get it done. Nothing but respect for that. I have to tip my hat to the Steelers. I was the one who said yesterday on the NFL Today on CBS that I literally don't think anybody in that division wants to win that division. 
However, the only thing I am sure about with the AFC North is that the Steelers are not going to figure in anything coming in. No sooner than I said that, they man the hell up, the Titans man the hell down, and the Steelers get a huge dub. You're welcome. Yes, yes, yes. So nothing but respect for questioning, quote, a man's ability to reproduce. And I guess nothing but respect for Bill Belichick for actually apologizing to the media. That's how weird this whole thing was. And we aren't even close to done. We've got two more games tonight, two more games tomorrow. In other words, the longest and one of the best weekends ever keeps getting longer and better. So let's keep getting weird. Stacked teams took a hit this weekend. Hey, Bucks fan, need Antonio Brown much? Hey, Cards fan, still think you've got enough depth without DeAndre Hopkins? Come to think of it, the Lions beating the Cards and Brady getting skunked by the Saints is probably the most normal thing ever because weird is the new normal in the NFL. And man's ability to reproduce is being in question. And If you're like me, your weekend plans include kicking back, watching some live sports, and it really doesn't matter what sport you're watching. It's always fun to have a little bit of action. Personally, I have my Week 16 eye on that Monday night matchup between Miami and New Orleans. This is why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to everything exciting. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager from straight bets to parlays, teasers, any exotic prop wager that you can come up with. And the app is so easy to use. And everybody knows that Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry. So get off the sidelines, join in on the action. Download the WinBet app right now. Download it on Google Play or the Apple App Store and put yourself in the game with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Jonathan Jones. Jonathan, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Good, dude. Good. Good jacket yesterday. Really good jacket yesterday. <laughs> what kind of reviews Thank did you, you get for that fit? Yeah, you know, I, I got good reviews. It, it, I thought it would pop on television, and fortunately enough, it did. It did. Oh, no, it definitely did. So good on you. All right, so listen, I know I say it's time and time again, but it's borne out time and time again. It seems like nobody knows week to week exactly what's going to happen in this league. How do you explain all the really weird stuff that went down yesterday and the results? Yeah, I'd love to be able to explain to you the Cardinals-Lions result, uh, but but that one is sort of inexplicable to me. Uh, you know, I, I think we've all sort of been waiting for the Scooby-Doo-like reveal at the end with the Arizona Cardinals. We're waiting on them to be proven to be not real contenders, and maybe that was the game, or maybe you give credit to the Detroit Lions, who despite – uh, they're young guys there, and you know, despite uh, the play of Jared Goff, they have a coach they believe in in Dan Campbell. I'll tell you this, going back to January when they hired Dan Campbell and, and that really bad introductory press conference, the thing that he did was he put so many former players as coaches uh, on his staff. Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, uh, is among them. And I think that that really resonates with a roster full of young guys, giving those former players who are now coaches an opportunity to lead these young players. And I think that we're finally seeing the fruits of that. So if you're a Lions fan, you know, obviously you've been competitive in a number of games this year and, they've, and you've had a lot of heartbreak, but getting that win 
was a huge one. In terms of the, the NFL at large and the parity that we're seeing, I can't explain it except this is exactly what Roger Goodell and those at 345 Park Avenue have been wanting for years. They want close games and all sizes of markets being competitive, and that's what they're getting in 2021. We are talking to Jonathan Jones. All right, then. Jonathan, what about the end of the Ravens game against the Packers? I mean, I don't know what you were thinking in that moment, but I was talking to a few of my guys, and we're like, oh, dude, he's going for it. He's going for two. You know Harbaugh is going to go for two at the end of the game. In retrospect and looking at it right now, what do you make of that decision? Well, the decision in that moment was absolutely the decision to make, right? Because they still had a little bit more than 40 seconds left, if I remember correctly, uh, that they were going to give the football back. If they tied the game with a kick by Justin Tucker, they were going to give the football back to Aaron Rodgers, down almost all of their corners and safeties uh, due to injury or COVID. And then even if he doesn't score uh, going down the field there, as we've seen Aaron Rodgers do many times, if they win the coin flip, you feel really good about the Packers' chances of winning that football game. But the issue here is not necessarily that they went for it. And I do have an issue uh, with, you know, kind of taking Tower Huntley and cutting off one half of the field when you already have a condensed field to work with there at the two-yard line. My issue was that they didn't go for two earlier, mm-hmm. that they decided to kick with Justin Tucker, where if you know you're going to be in the situation – or you have to go for two later, or that you will go for two later, go for it earlier. And I know this is a years-long analytics talk that we've all had, but Harbaugh especially has been correct on a number of these calls. So it was interesting to see, not that he went for it on two, but that he missed that opportunity on the touchdown previously because you would think that he's the guy, because he did it last week. You'd think he was the guy who would do that. We're talking to Jonathan Jones. All right, then, having said that, where do you come out on Brandon Staley? I mean, he's made it pretty clear. This is who we are. This is what we're going to do. I love our personnel. I always feel like we have an advantage, but it did not pay off last time. I mean, is this does it get to a point where you start to think that the coach is, is putting out there, I'm right, I'm right, and we're going to do it my way, and he's being a little bit stubborn to it, or is it just the wrong call? You know, the only – and I was at that game. Uh, covering it for CBS Sports HQ. The only one of the five fourth down decisions that I didn't like was the decision with three seconds left at the end of the second quarter to go for it rather than to kick. And the issue, the reason why you go for it in those situations a lot of times is uh, there's very little risk involved because if you don't get it, well, a lot of times you have your opponent pinned at the two or the three yard line. But because it was at the end of the half, that that is removed. So now you're risking getting zero points and not being able to get the football back, uh, you know, on your terms once your defense stops them. That's the one where I would have taken the three points. The other one, you don't know that Joshua Kelly is going to try to leap from the four-and-a-half-yard line to try to get into the end zone. Um, but I will say this. Brandon Staley, leading up to that week, said sort of the mark of good teams is – Not only can they win games the way that they want to play them, but they can win games in any number of ways. And I thought that, you know, great teams, yes, they can be chameleons. We can see that the Kansas City Chiefs can win in a shootout. They can win 13-9. to Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to play great, et cetera, et cetera. What I want to see from the Chargers is being a little bit more malleable, not always being the team that's going to go for it on fourth and seven at the 45, being the team that, hey, you know what, this is what the situation calls for. And I think that Brandon Staley – has really swung in the in the way of analytics, one that I appreciate, certainly. But there is something to winning games the way that the game dictates and not dictating the game to, you know, the contest itself. 
Jonathan Jones joining us. I agree with you. I don't think it's that binary. I think you can be both. I think you can be both. And by being both, you're not saying that we don't have philosophy. I think that you can be both. Let me ask you then about Jimmy Garoppolo. Yesterday, you lost him, Chef Jimmy. What is the backstory there? And secondly, (laughs) what do you make of the job that he's done with the 49ers, especially in the clutch, when people on the outside are still questioning him? Yeah, and people on the outside are going to to question him. You know, Chef Jimmy, this is a guy who, at at end-of-half situations, he's been money. And, you know, it it was a tongue-in-cheek sort of, um, you know, nickname on Jimmy. But he's cooking when it comes down to the two- and the four-minute drills. And and the San Francisco 49ers are winning in large part because of it. But folks are going to hate on Jimmy Garoppolo because he has never turned into that perennial top-ten quarterback. You know, he... He has the looks, he has the contract, he had the Super Bowl appearance, but you just want him to take that next step. And it seems like he's sort of stuck in that Kirk Cousins purgatory. And that's okay because I can tell you that there's a dozen to 15 teams right now in the NFL who would kick their quarterback out the door to have two years of Jimmy Garoppolo right now. If you, if you gave them uh, Jimmy G right now versus their options and their prospects, when you look at the draft, when you look at the guys they have right now, a lot of folks would take Jimmy Garoppolo, but he just can't edge himself into that top 10 echelon. But I'll say this, you know, Trey Lance hasn't really taken a snap in two months. And this is a guy that they cleared the deck for and that he was going to be the next guy. He can't even justify getting on the field right now because of the way Jimmy Garoppolo was playing, not just between the 20s, but even in the red zone where we were told by Kyle Shanahan, that's where we're going to play Trey Lance. I know he's had some injuries. I know he's young. I know he's their future, but I think that speaks more to what Jimmy Garoppolo is playing like right now, and I think that he deserves some credit for it. Jonathan Jones joining us. All right, Jonathan, really quickly, what about the Colts? They look great. They beat the Patriots. They're playing really well right now. Here's my question. Jonathan Taylor is putting up really big numbers, but when you get to the postseason, if an opposing team is going to key on him, take him away, or limit what he does, do you have the confidence that Carson Wentz can step up and make an opponent pay consistently? Not consistently. Uh, and, and I think, you know, you talk about that sort of area of quarterback confidence or, or lack thereof, and I think that Carson Wentz resides there. He didn't have to. I'm not going to hold against him his stat line uh, against the New, New England Patriots. They did what they had to do to get the victory. Jonathan Taylor ran all over him. They got the win. But if it gets to mid-January and Jonathan Taylor is getting bottled up and they're, you're only getting three yards per carry with J.T., do I trust that Carson Wentz on this given Saturday or Sunday is going to get the job done, is not going to turn the ball over, even though he's taking good care of the football uh, this season? I don't believe in that Carson Wentz based off the last couple of years that we have seen. Uh, but listen, he is getting the job done right now, and he deserves credit for that. I think you're right. Jonathan Jones joining us. He's a senior NFL reporter for CBS Sports. He appears on the other pregame show on CBS Sports Network as well. Jonathan, thank you very much. Great to have you back on. Always look forward to the conversation. I appreciate it, and uh, happy holidays to you. Hey, now, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not a sugary snack, not an energy drink. We want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. That way it's tender and tasty, not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. 
What I'm saying is they take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name, because no other jerky compares Old Trapper with your beef. Let's talk about herb. For a minute, there's going to come a day when I don't have to talk about this guy anymore. In fact, I thought today was going to be the day where I would not have to talk about this guy anymore. Don't get me wrong. I really want that day to come. I know that Herb makes my job so much easier because the guy's, well, he's a bad dude and he was the worst NFL coach ever. So I would love to just turn the page, move on to the next thing, be optimistic, be positive, and keep it all nice. I really would. I thought that when Jacksonville fired this guy in the middle of the night, in the middle of a game week, we'd finally be done with that walking, talking rat. Except he will not go away. Like, life. Life has flicked the blinking lights, signaling to Perv it's time to get to the bleeping exit. But for some reason, he thinks that that applies to everybody except him. I don't know. Maybe he's waiting on that final, final lapper from some co-ed. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you something else. I'll tell you who doesn't know, doesn't get it, and never will. Pervin Liar himself. He had to make sure that he did an interview with the NFL Network as quickly as he possibly could. You know, jump right in that car wash, get your rep cleaned, acid washed, and start the process for the next job. That's how this goes. There's a whole strategy to this. There's a playbook to this. We've seen many people run that playbook. You know, when a guy in his situation does that interview, he's been coached up by a legion of pros. Here's what you want to hammer. Here's what you want to stay away from. Here's the point you want to get across. They coach him the hell up and tell him how to say everything. And they say, the last thing they say before they run him out there, listen, listen, Be contrite, be remorseful, be apologetic, be thoughtful, be authentic, even if you're not, be sincere. And then tell the world exactly what you learned from that debacle and how you're going to come out of this so much better as both a coach and a man than you ever were. So why don't we see how Home Rat did? Hey, Herb. How would you describe your feelings after being fired? Quote, it's heartbreaking. I just had a dream of it becoming a destination place with a new facility he agreed to build and someday to walk into that stadium where it's standing room only because I know how bad the people of Jacksonville want it. So I'm just heartbroken that we weren't able to do that. Quote, end of quote. He also said he was, quote, devastated. Heartbreaking. There you go. Devastating. He went to the go-tos, heartbreaking and devastating. That's devastating. Heartbreaking. That right there is the rat signal beaming out to see bus. The prodigal rat is coming home. It's like there's like this thing in the sky, rat, rat, rat. There's a rat blinking in the sky. The prodigal rat is coming back to see bus. The last time this guy was that devastated and heartbroken, he skipped the team flight home and started tearing up the local restaurant scene and prowling for co-eds. Now, if I know anything about Urban Meyer, if this guy's feeling devastated, 
and heartbroken. That's devastating. And Ohio State quarter zip is about to come out of the closet, and some woman's buttocks is about to be affected. Remember Triple G? Triple G used to talk about affect the head. Affect the head. Affect the head. Affect the head. Perv is probably thinking affect the buttocks. Allegedly. Buttocks. And this time he doesn't have to be back in time for practice. So Buddy can have a night out every night if he wants. Man, it's been one hell of a fall from grace for Buddy. In fact, I'd be hard-pressed to see another one in any sport who has ever fallen faster than Perv has. So it's going to be really interesting to see what, if anything at all, he has learned. Like, how do you go through something like that and not come out of it with a different perspective? Hopefully better, right? Interesting to see what this guy, if anything at all, he's going to own. I mean, he never, ever has been a dude who owned anything. But never, ever has there been a dude more in need of soul searching, more in need of taking a long look in the mirror and see that rat that is staring back at him. I mean, surely even this myopic rat now realizes that getting out of Dodge was the weakest thing ever. Even he has to understand that benching James Robinson and then lying about it was terrible. Even he has to understand allegedly kicking a kicker was hideous. Even he has to understand calling his assistant coaches losers and demanding to know what they've ever won was a terrible idea. He now knows that, right? He knows all that, right? Hell no. He thinks he's already done the hard work on himself and that he has answered or has all the answers. Like he's asked himself the hard questions and has concluded, as painful as it may be, he's just going to go right ahead and own it. Not really. Not really at all. You know what he took from this? You know what his takeaway from this was? Quote, I can't take losing. I try to accept it. It just eats away at my soul. And I believe our players deserve better. End of quote. That was his takeaway from this. I can't take losing. Would you get a load of this guy? The problem isn't the quitting on his team. It's not the benchings. It's not the kickings. It's not the beratings. It's just that the man really hates losing. Urban Meyer looked at the smoking wreckage of his career in Jacksonville, and his main takeaway was, I hate losing. Like, I really hate losing. Even more than I thought that I hated losing. And that's the reason I just got fired. And they don't want to pay him. I completely destroyed my rep. All of this because I just can't handle losing. And my reaction to that is, isn't that ironic? Like, the biggest loser would just throw the card that I'm the worst loser. Loser. And that's how we ended up here. I just can't handle losing. You know, that's like the equivalent of saying, you know what my biggest weakness is? My biggest weakness is I'm a perfectionist. I mean, it's such bullcrap. Everybody knows it. See, that's the thing with Herb. There's no there there. He doesn't have the ability to dig deep, look in the mirror, be introspective, go to school on himself, do some soul searching, and learn from his mistakes. Because in his mind, he didn't make any mistakes. That's the incredible part about this whole thing. The team went 2-11 with him as the head coach, yet none of it's his fault. If his players and coaches only hated losing as much as he does, they'd be 11-2. He had the worst tenure of any NFL coach in history. Two wins, 
a crap load of controversy, and the only thing he learned from that is that he hates losing even more than he thought that he did. That's what this is all about. It's not about the fact that a guy who apparently won by bullying teenagers realized that he couldn't do that to grown men. It's not about the fact that he's horrible at managing and leading grown men and that he did one idiotic Bush thing after another. It's not about any of that. It's only about the fact that he really hates losing in his mind. Like he's the one guy in the NFL who really hates losing. Like he hates losing more than Bill Belichick, more than Tom Brady. He hates losing more than Andy Reid, more than Pete Carroll, more than Mike Tomlin, more than Sean Payton, more than Patrick Mahomes. I can keep going. Some of the greatest competitors ever. He hates losing so much more than them. My man, you got to stop talking because you've learned nothing. It's the holidays and you deserve a gift. So how about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every single day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels. A gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productivity that you'll have at work. Of course, I'm talking about giving yourself the gift of an X chair. I absolutely love mine. It is by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair that I've ever used. And honestly, it's got to be the coolest looking piece of furniture I own, hands down. Not only is X-Chair the world's best office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair and can either warm or cool your back. Can your office chair do that? I don't think so. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X-Chair. Buy early, buy now. And here is X-Chair's holiday gift to you. Save 100 bucks off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at xchairrome.com. Right now, that's the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com and save xchairrome.com. Mark Adams is my guest. Mark, it's really good to have you on. How are you? I'm good, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. It must be a slow day to get uh, Mark Adams on your show, but I'm <laughs> honored to be one of your guests. My man, that is not true. That is not, not only is it not a slow day, it's a busy day. And not only that, Mark, I am eager to have this conversation. I wanted to get you on and talk to you. And there's a lot of things, so i got to pick my spots. Let me first ask you, you're coming <laughs> off a tough loss to Gonzaga where you didn't have your leading scorer, Terrence Shannon Jr., but what did your team show you in the way they hung in and they went after a tough opponent and just kept banging away without a key player? Well, Jim, I mean, first of all, you're playing Gonzaga. Who's just, they're such an uh, efficient team, very elite in getting ball up and down the floor. And, and, you know, they're one of those teams that's one of, their, uh, one of the top teams in the country. They, they don't beat themselves. But, you know, we hung in there. We were tough. We, we missed TJ. It was uh, – we went right to game time to say, you know, he's just not ready to go. But uh, he wanted to play, and it would have certainly helped us. Well, he had helped us on both of this floor with this experience. But, you know, every time you play, you're looking in the mirror at yourself and – and each uh, team uh, exposes something that you don't like. But the thing I think more than anything with with Gonzaga, it's just uh, we had we had a lot of trouble with their size. They're much, they're even bigger in person than what they were when you just look at their roster and on you know on video. But uh, the fact that they also get up and down the floor, they score about within ten twelve seconds. Those are some areas that we have to work on. But we love the way we competed. You know, we got back in the game. It was two point game uh, about halfway through the second half and. 
And so, well, you know, we've got a lot of work still to do. It's, it's kind of a work in progress. You hear that a lot. Probably more work right now in progress. But we're making uh, baby steps, and hopefully um, the next few weeks, get ready for conference play, we'll be ready. Texas Tech head coach Mark Adams joining us. You know, you talk about it being a work in progress, but the thing is, for folks who do not know, coming into the season, how many players did you actually have on the roster who had played for Texas Tech last season? And then how have you been able to get everybody on the same page so quickly? Well, you know, we came, we started when, when uh, this whole this whole program had to kind of be rebuilt. When Coach left, Beard left, it was just Coach Sutton and I. You know, uh, Sean Sutton, who's been, he's a dear friend and very loyal, and just so fortunate to have him. It was us and and one of our administrative assistants. So we had to rebuild a whole staff and players. But we had five guys that came back, and out of those five, we had you know Kevin. McCullers, one of our starters, and then T.J. Shannon was the other. So we had a few guys to build on, but then we just brought in uh, eight transfers, and and it was, uh, you know, it's been a challenge to try to get everybody on the same page and and uh, to just understand what we want on both ends of the floor. And we're getting there, but it's nice to have those five back there, very loyal to me, and certainly appreciate uh, uh, those guys. And and uh, of course, we're. we're uh, you know we're still we're still getting better, but I, th- I thought these we played uh, three teams on top 25 with with uh, Providence, Tennessee, and Gonzaga, and and we're we're very competitive, and I think we're better today than we were when we played Providence a few weeks ago. Mark Adams joining us, and your guys are going to play defense. If anybody knows anything about you and your background, the guys are going to play defense. You know, I, I wish I had more time for it, Mark, but I want to ask you, like, coming up, you were coaching in places like Clarendon College, Wayland Baptist. And you had a lot of success in Division Two, and then you accepted the Texas Pan American job, and that was essentially the worst job in Division One basketball. The story goes: you had a recruiting budget of five hundred dollars, five hundred bucks, and then five <laughs> years later, that ended, and you stepped away from basketball for seven years. I'm really curious: what were those days away from basketball like for you? Yeah, you know that's that was a time where. Both my children uh, had had some uh, medical challenges. They're both hearing impaired, so and and they were very young. We just, we found out my youngest son Luke is now the head coach of Mexico Junior College. But uh, so we just want to get back closer to family, and and uh, and then I just took a you know step back and thought, gosh, I I need to uh, just you know be around home more and, and support my my kids and. And but I, when I got away, maybe miss basketball even more. So I, I'm over at South Plains with Steve Green's uh, team and, and uh, Rick Cooper, who's with me on staff now, is at West Texas. I'm begging them to get out. Hey, let me get up coach practice. John Cope is at Lover Christian, and and so every chance I got, I'm on the phone. Even though I'm running a hockey team at the time, a double A hockey team, I'm always trying to see if they'll uh, let me come to work out. And, and before I know, I'm out there yelling at the guys and and uh, coach them. So they've got a lot of fun stories about how I just kind of take over. But I just miss coaching. Then. So then hired college job came open about six years later, and that's where I got my start, and they were gracious enough to get me back in it. So I feel very blessed that God's given me this opportunity, and it's a second chance for me, and I love Texas Tech, and and uh, just love this job. Wake up every morning just excited to be a Red Raider. I love it. Mark Adams joining us. I don't want to gloss over that hockey note that you just mentioned. So you're involved in owning a minor league hockey team, the Lubbock Cotton Kings. How did that come to be, and then what was that experience like? Well, it was a uh, it was a great experience. So, so I, I got my my insurance uh, license. I was going to sell so uh, just different types of insurance. But I went to a hockey game up in Amarillo, and and I saw my first double A hockey. And I just loved it. It was so entertaining. And so I tried to buy the team. And and a guy from uh, Cliff Annabelle, a guy from 
Canada in a bonnet, and he was uh, dumb enough to hire me as his GM, and I knew nothing about hockey. And uh, so that was experience. But I just loved uh, the players, how tough they were, the excitement, how fast the sport was. And I bought the team here in Lubbock, and, and uh, there were 125 uh, about that double uh, A hockey teams. There were more hockey teams in Texas than there were in Canada. They were taking <laughs> these old rodeo arenas and turning them into hockey uh, skating rinks, and and so that's that. But when I got in, there's there's about 120. When I left, we were down about 35. So it was a very tough tough business. And uh, long story short, I lost a lot of money. I didn't get a lot of my family invested so i didn't get invited back to christmas and thanksgiving for a couple mm. of years but uh, they finally got over that i so, got you but but it was uh yeah it was a good experience now, i didn't mean to interrupt you i i get that mark i understand exactly what you're saying the thing about hockey too and i've always said this that and i love the game i grew up watching the game my folks had season tickets to the la kings when i was a kid it's not a great tv sport because it's hard to follow the puck but if you could just get people to the arena the way they did you it's one of the great spectator sports of all time mark adams my guest now this of course is a big big chris beard house as you know you and chris go back a long long way you're your own guy he's his own guy but when you first met him in fact when did you first meet him and and what do you remember about those meetings? You know, Jim, it probably was at a hockey game. He, he would come to the hockey games and, and um, you know, we'd sit up there and talk. And then uh, a little bit later, of course, I was at Howard College, and we spent a lot of time together. I guess when I got to Howard, he recruited several of our players. Uh, Charles Burgess is a player that played at Texas Tech that he signed. It was a All-American and, and a, uh, MVP in the JUCO League. And But we just kind of – our experience grew. We'd go to movies together, and, and uh, he'd always make me buy. He was one of these – He's um, a guy, he's, he, he would tell the story differently, but he's real tight with his money, Jim. So I'd buy the popcorn and the, and, uh, and the movie uh, tickets. We, we'd go a lot. We'd go late night and we'd talk. And, and he had a couple of jobs that he interviewed for. Low Division ones was going to take me with him. So that's how that relationship started. And then he got the Little Rock job, and I was fortunate enough and blessed. He took me as an assistant coach. Well, he wanted to take you to Texas as well, but – and and I would imagine that you wanted to come with him. So what was your thought process at the time, and what led you to stay and pursue the job you have right now? Well, I mean, I've always loved being a head coach, Jim, but I also, uh, you know, I, I want to coach. And, and I text, text my alma mater, and my, both my kids graduated here, and my family uh, just lives. My mom's 30 miles from here. And, and uh, so it was a very difficult decision for me uh, when, when – uh, when Beard took the job down at Texas, and but at the same time, I didn't know if they'd seriously consider it. So I had to. Uh, it was a big risk for me, just trying to talk them into, to, you know, give me a serious look. I don't think the athletic director did really looked at me in a head coaching position. So I had a lot of fan support. I tell you, the reason I probably got that job on anything, I had so many former players uh, that with the Texas Tech came forward and, and recommended me. So again, very thankful for that for those guys and. I'm just happy to be back here to get, uh, in my home uh, hometown, my home area, and coaching the team I love. I was going to say really quickly, Mark, that, I was going to ask you about that because that's really key, and you just said it, that maybe you don't get that job if not for the support from former players. What did it mean to you that so many of your former guys came forward and said, we want Mark Adams to be the coach here? You know, Jim, I, you know, I do the, I've done the defense for Coach Baird for five years, and all those guys – heard me yelling and screaming and probably had my, you know, you're, you're, nobody likes to play defense. So I was always challenging them. And, but I love those guys and you know, a little bit concerned that uh, they may not have loved me back because I'm, I'm kind of the bad cop in practice most of the time and challenge them. And, but, uh, you know, we had a lot of mutual respect. But see these guys come forward and call Kirby and, 
and say nice things about me was was so so important. So at the end of the day, it's just you know it's about relationships, and I love these uh, young men, and I hope that I can uh, make a positive impact in their lives. And so uh, that was that was very refreshing to hear and very rewarding. Both these guys believed in me. Such a great story, too. Texas Tech is 8-2 and two on the year. Mark Adams, more than 550 wins as a head coach. Next up, Texas Tech has Eastern Washington on Wednesday. Mark, great to have you on the show. I told you I'd been looking forward to it. Glad we did it. Hope we can do it again soon. And really nice to talk to you. Yeah, Jim. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Proud to say this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Hey, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without all that hassle. It's called DirecTV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It means no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of that ugly clutter and all the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. At Bob Speck, quote, you're a beret short of nailing the beatnik look that you're going for. Thanks, bra. Except one thing. I'm not looking or going for any look. You know, Actually, I'm going for the most expedient look. Let me tell you about, I mean... I'm not looking to make an excuse. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm owning this. I'm being honest. When I go to New York and back, and I do this seven or eight times a year during the NFL season, and it's one of my favorite assignments that I've ever had in my career. I love it. Do not get that twisted. I love doing that. But contrary to popular belief, I do not have a private jet. I do not use a private, jet. a private jet. I do not keep a private jet. You know, I keep a private jet. I don't have a G4 or a G5 or something smaller than that. I travel like the rest of you. So, when I go to New York and back on the same weekend, and remember, I'm not even there 24 hours. Come Monday morning, when I roll right into the week, I give myself a little get back. And I go casual. I threw on the turtleneck, not because I'm trying to achieve a beatnik look or anything else, but because I thought it would be easier and sort of festive. And you know what? I'm seeing myself in the monitor. I think I look pretty damn good. And if you're not going to say it, I will. I'm not looking to rob a jewelry store or even a liquor store after the show. I'm not setting something up. Alvin is not going to be the getaway driver. I'm not going to put on a mask. I'm not going to go knock off some liquor store. It's just cold. It's different. I thought it might be a little bit fun. SA Sports Honk. Rome, you lost your earbud between an airline seat. I lost my earbud in my ear. Signed, Adam Silver. Yeah, he's got pretty big ears. It's not his fault, man. Who cares? So, yes, late in the flight yesterday, not only an AirPod, but an AirPod Pro dropped out of my ear. And the only thing worse than that is, 
It's not the first time. And I'm not blaming the product. I'm blaming the ear. I'm owning it. They don't stay in my ear. So I've got lots of different thoughts. I'm kind of a, I'm an audiophile in the sense of, like, even if you watch this show, you can see me, I, I hate to say it, but popping my earbuds back in. They pop out. These things do not stay in my ear. Like, my entire life is about trying to find a, an earbud that will stay in and not pop out. The one that you see me use on the NFL today does not pop out because it's custom. What they do is they come in, at least back in the day, they have a gun. And it's a gun with a bunch of goo. And they shoot your ear full of goo to get the mold. And then that's how they make IFBs. Those don't pop out. They're custom. All these other, you know, in-store, online that you buy are not custom. I'm, I'm always envious when I see people in public rocking their AirPods and they never fall out. Mine always fall out. But one fell out yesterday and went right down that rabbit hole into the seat. I knew the second that thing fell out of my ear, it was gone. I knew it. And it's not the first time either. I had one drop in the toilet once on me. I know, kind of disgusting. But it did. As you might imagine, that did not go back on my ear. I could retrieve it, and it was really traumatic. But the only reason I did that, and, and by the way, if I had not bought it, it was a custom pair of AirPod Pros that were painted. So they were really expensive, and I waited a long time to receive them. The only reason I didn't flush that thing right when it went in there was that reason. Super expensive, super custom, but the second I pulled that thing out, I'm like, I'm never going to wear that ever again, and I didn't. We're going to flush it and move on. So I'm going to flush it and move on, except I didn't flush it. Point of the story is, it's not the first time, it won't be the last time, and I do have a rhetorical question. Which one do you think was more filthy? The one that fell into the airplane seat and went down that black hole, or the one that fell into a toilet? I'm going to say tie for last. I mean, I'll never forget this one trip I had back in the day. My phone went into the seat. I mean, an AirPod's different. That's tiny. I'm talking about an iPhone, whatever we were on. And you know, if it's me, I had the most upgraded model. I literally spent like a half hour trying to find the phone in the seat. I could not find it. I turned it into the bed. I made it go upright. I tried every available setting. I could not find my phone. You know, you can get beyond losing an AirPod. That'll piss you off. That's really inconvenient. And it really sucks because they're expensive. But you're not walking off that plane without a phone. I couldn't find the phone. So that really did happen last night. What else we got here? Stucknut, should we cancel this silver alert on Rit? He's not dead. He's not even sick. It's I'm a scheduling thing. And I can't get up. Man, you know it's bad when every single time you watch this show and you don't see Rit, you just assume he's dead. And I admit, I probably haven't helped with that. Hey, we're all day to day. Rit is second to second. This is not cool. It kind of is cool, Rit. But it won't be cool if you die on my watch. Bro, don't let that happen. Then I, then I will forever regret that. If you ever leave the process, our process, and then you die, at least none of that will be on my hands. But I can't keep making jokes about how close you are to death if you actually die. Don't die on me, Rit. It'd be selfish, dude. Don't be that guy. So no, he's fine. It's just scheduling. 
We have to stagger it so some are here next week and some aren't. Let's see here. Sonny Elefante. I think that giraffe neck sweater would look good on us. Signed Mike Glennon and Davis Mills. You know what's a bad thing? I'm like, well, that take. You know what's a bad thing? The Davis Mills completely outplayed Trevor Lawrence. Do you know, I, I got to admit, I was one of those guys who thought, Herb is out of the building. They're going to play their asses off. Apparently, you can take Pervin Liar off of the Jags, but you can't take the Perv out of the Jags because they look like crap again. You get an opportunity. That should have been a really good week for the Jags. They got Pervin Liar out of their lives, and they got a pretty good setup in getting the Texans, and they still look like crap. That's the kind of effect that Perv had on them. Let's see here. Wooden Laconic, quote, you had a better chance of getting your phone out of Cranberry Lake a few years back than you did of retrieving your AirPod from that airline seat. No, I got the phone out of the lake. I was able to do that. It took a few minutes, but I did that. And then finally, Pimp with a tan. When the Niners were 3-5, and five, so many of their fans were putting all the blame on Jimmy G for the team's poor play. Now they're playing better. He is getting no credit from the fans. Old school Niner fan is so spoiled when it comes to QBs that they just can't admit that Jimmy G isn't above average to good quarterback that can possibly win them a Super Bowl. And you're right, Tansmack. The Niners are very dangerous if they get into the playoffs. Mario and SF. I think this is true. I think that he's going to be one of those guys, and especially in that town, that when things go well, he will never get any of the credit. And when things go wrong, whether it's his fault or not, he'll get all the blame. Listen, he's still out there. And the reason he's still out there, three reasons. One, he's healthy. That's always going to be a key with that guy. One, he's healthy. Two, he's playing well. And three, clearly Trey Lance is not ready. And I would add a four. Where are all of you that were saying that the Lobster Jr. should be fired? That was an absurd take. When they were off to a bad start, all of a sudden, if it wasn't Jimmy G's fault, it was the Lobster's kid's fault. But you're going to fire Kyle Shanahan? Come on. That was never going to happen. And right now, that's not a team you want to run into. They're dangerous. If they get in, you do not want to run into them. Brian and San Pedro. Hey, I don't go on national TV and talk out my ass. All right. I think these things through. I do my research. And generally, I am right. Not always, and especially this year in the NFL where nothing's certain week to week. But yeah, this is why I'm going to get up on that show, on that stage, and say that about the 49ers. Brian C. and SP. Jim, they said in Chowdville, the media found out that the Hood's small heart Grew three sizes yesterday, and the true meaning of Christmas came through. Look, fellas, I apologize if, you know. Let me stop right there. It seemed like I was a Let me little stop short right there. The Alvin, listen to the way the man is enunciating. There's no bitterness, there's no mumbling. Like, I actually believe that he believes what he's saying. I think the guy really might be sorry. Listen to how clearly he's enunciating. It's not, you're real funny, Reno, man. You know, why are you always talking about me and my son, the face looker? Huh? 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 That's not so funny. Hey, tell, tell me how my ass tastes. None of that. I mean, this guy flat out is saying, I am sorry. 
Look, fellas, I apologize if, you know, I seemed like I was a little short with you after the game. Um, Wait, did know, he utter the phrase, I'm game. sorry? Look, fellas, and, and was it directed if... at the media? He is the go, dude. Way to go, Hood. Way to go. It's not going to make everybody happy that took you and got down with you. But for the rest of us who did not have a rooting interest in that game, I can appreciate that. This dude sounds candid. Like he meant it. And did mumble it. That wasn't one of those like hostage-induced apologies. They're taking good care of me. They're giving me everything I want. I'm well-treated. I'm well-fed. Everything is fine. I mean, he sounded like he meant it. It's not your fault. That's how weird the NFL is right now. The hood is up here apologizing to the media. That's how weird the NFL is right now. Realtor Brett tweets, Turtleneck in LA. You people are hilarious. Have all the women pulled out their scarves and boots? (laughs) Realtor Brett. Yo, Realtor Brett. Where do you live, bro? Just curious. And also, whatever headshot that you're using for your portfolio, is it 20 years old like so many other realtors I see? Come on, man. He's in Portland. It, no, listen, it's cold here. Last week, for much of the week, it was colder here than it was in New York. Believe it or not, in California, it does get cold. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying cold enough for me to justify wearing a turtleneck. You tell me, Brett. Where's the line? What does the number have to be in order for me to wear a turtleneck on TV, Brett? Since you have all the answers, Brett, you decide. You tell me. What is the official temperature in your world, Brett, where I would be permitted to rock a turtleneck on TV? And and from now on, I will dress accordingly. Like, I've got this book. The turtleneck is not from the book. That was an outside purchase. But my David August book, I literally go by the book when it comes to clothing. Everything you see me wear that's not casual, if it has a collar or there are slacks involved or a suit, I go by the book. I don't deviate from the book. I'm not creative like that. There is a book, and he puts together all of our suits and our business sportswear by numbers in a book. Hey, Brett, I'm going to let you run the numbers on the other book, the new book, the casual book. You tell me, dude, what does the temperature have to be before I can wear this? Because when I left today, I want to say it was in the upper 40s. That, for me, as an L.A. native, is pretty freaking cold. 48 when I left the house. And finally, one more. I'm not going to read that. And I'm not going to read that. All right. <laughs> if you think I read crap, you can only imagine what I'm not willing to read. Mercedes Lewis is my guest. Mercedes, great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing good, man. What's going on? Dude, all good here. In fact, I want to ask you that in a different way. Before we get to football, how is life for you right now? How are things? Everything is good. I mean, just staying healthy, staying out the way. Uh, obviously, I'm in Green Bay, so it's not too much to do any, anyway. So 
it's even better. I like that, man. Staying healthy and staying out of the way is good. All right, so you had a huge play yesterday in the yep. fourth quarter when Aaron hit you with a short pass and you were breaking tackles, you were making moves to get the ball down to the six-yard line. Aaron was fired up after that play. What did you personally see on that play? Well, it's, it's one of those plays where, I mean, obviously you could tell from the players, you know, I'll, I'll slam the guy as if I'm blocking uh, and then leak out kind of like a, a screen, really. Uh, and then once I got the ball and I turned to the field, I mean, the rest is history. If, if you follow my career, I mean, that's normally how, you know, I get down when I, you know, have the ball in my hand. And, you know, we were just talking about it on the sideline about me trying to get to the end zone. I know at one point when I was running, I looked up and I, I didn't realize I was still that far away, <laughs> that far away from the end zone. Funny. But, um, yeah, you know how it goes. That's funny. Now, listen, I, I do know how you get down when you get the ball in your hands, so I'm going to ask you the question, though. Like, you're averaging more than seven yards after the catch this season. You're fifth among tight ends in forced missed tackles. So what is your approach when you get the ball in your hands? Well, when I obviously, when I get the ball in my hands, it's one of those things. I'm probably going to be bigger than all of the defenders that are trying to tackle me at that point in time. Um, and then me being in my 16th year, I'm pretty sure that they don't expect for me to be uh, moving like I do the ball in my hand. So um, they kind of force their hand by closing their eyes when it's time to come tackle me. So, you know, I just make my move based on what they're doing. Mercedes Lewis is joining us. I love that. Now, I mentioned off the top, the win over Chicago was your 200th career start. It's a big number. I'm curious, what's that number represent to you and how much pride is there for you in that number? Well, it's a lot of pride. I mean, I... You know, obviously, it's tough to, to uh, you know, be in this league, um, let alone get drafted, but also have sustained uh, success. So um, there's a lot of hard work, and, there, and there's some luck. But, you know, I've always prided myself on working my butt off. And then, you know, when you work your butt off, you put yourself in position to kind of catch a little luck uh, along the way. And, you know, I, I've never had any surgery or uh, any significant injuries, knock on wood, and so I've been able to – uh, kind of craft out, you know, this whole 16-year uh, career that I've been able to do. And, you know, it's just a blessing, and there's still so much more out there for me. Um, you know, I'm grateful that I have the, the coaches that I do that uh, support me, and I'm able to continue my dream, and, and that's to play play ball. So I'm definitely excited. Uh, take care of my body. My mental fortitude is, uh, you know, beyond measure. So I've been able to do this thing for a long time. Dude, your mental fortitude absolutely is beyond measure. How do you go about continuing to develop that mental fortitude? Like, is there a mental gym that you go to, like a physical gym? How do you go about building, maintaining, and growing that mental fortitude? Well, for me, I think it's all about, you know, the positive self-talk every single day, um, never never being satisfied, um, you know, always eating crumbs, right? If you eat crumbs, you stay hungry. Right, you'd be allergic to the big, and that's what I've been throughout my entire career. And it's, it's just about, you know, being better today than I was yesterday. Nobody cares about what you did yesterday. You know, every day is about reinventing yourself. Uh, and if you can stack those, uh, stack those type of days. I mean, by the time you look up, you're 16 years in. And uh, you know, I take, I don't take it for granted. Uh, it's an absolute privilege to be in this league. Um, you know, I'm just blessed to, you know, be on a squad where. Uh, my skill set, it still, it still comes at a premium. So um, definitely a blessing. 
Mercedes Lewis is joining us. That phrase, eat crumbs, I've heard you talk about that. I've seen you tweet about that. You just referenced it briefly. For those who do not know, what does that mean and what's the mindset behind that? So eat crumbs just means, like when I say eat crumbs and be allergic to the big meal, that just means staying in the zone, right? Regardless if you have a big play or a play that's, you know, not doesn't go in your favor, always stay in your zone so you're able to uh, continue to, you know, work hard and, and, and make those plays. If you get too high after a big play or too low after a bad play, either way it could be bad for you. Um, you know how it is in this league. The parity is uh, really good, so the margin for error is uh, small. And, you know, with that in mind, that, that's what it's about. It's just always staying in your zone so you can continue to make those plays uh, and come up on the um, the good side of things as opposed to uh, the the worst side. Mercedes Lewis is my guest. You also mentioned trying to reinvent yourself daily. Hey, listen, I mean, knowing the way you approach it, knowing the way you are habitually, like you're doing the right stuff, the right things every single day. So if you've done the right things every single day and you've stacked enough of those days year after year after year, how can you reinvent on a daily basis? Like how much more can you get out of yourself or what different thing can you do to reinvent daily? I think... Like for me, ever since I was in high school, it's all—it's always been about writing my goals down, right? And so I—I I have to, you know, write it down to see it, and then once I see it, I can go get it. Uh, and so every day when I go out to practice or in meetings, there's always something to get better at. And regardless if, you know, I'm—I'm I'm 37 now, but you know, if I was 22, if I—if I've had that same approach of getting better at something every single day. Uh, you know, you're, you're only going to get better at it and, and stack those days. And I think, you know, sometimes you have to go searching for, you know, what you want to get better at, whether it's in the, in the run game, if I'm, if I'm blocking, okay, my hands need to be tighter here. Um, I took a big first step, and so I was off balance. Or, you know, I caught the ball, but I didn't catch it as smooth as I wanted to catch it, like that. Like just being really critical of, you know, of yourself and, and the energy that you want to put out there into the world and, and go capture it. And that's essentially what I do every day. All right, so you mentioned that a lot of this one goes back to when you were in high school, Mercedes. I think maybe you, you do or you don't remember, but I married a gal who went to Long Beach Poly, and that family is third. I remember. Okay, so, so I know this. I know this school, and I know the mindset, and I know the culture of the thing. You know, I talked to Willie McGinnis, and he sounds a lot like you when it comes to these things. Like, so when you learned this, how much of it was about growing up in Long Beach, or how much of this was about the Poly program? If you started this mindset in high school, where did it come from exactly? Your family, the school, the neighborhood, what? Well, I think, you know, my mom had me when she was 15 years old. Um, and then, you know, I started playing for Long Beach Poly Pop Warner when I was seven. Um, and then worked my way all the way up, obviously, to high school. Um, but I think it was just a tradition, right? When you understand um, the odds and you are able to beat those odds and you end up playing for, you know, a high school that's world-renowned and uh, the tradition is huge and you just want to be your very best. Right, and so it just starts there of, you know, the fear of losing it all and going back to where you came from and trying to make a better living for you and your family. And um, you know, I, I got a lot of, a lot of people that depend on me. Um, and and by me not having the, the right commitment to my craft and what I do, I'm disrespecting those people that depend on me. So, um, in a nutshell, that, that's that's all it really is, you know. 
I get that. That makes sense, man. I, part of me wants to say something really lame like, hey, man, if we could bottle that, but that's the whole point. You can't. You cannot bottle that. There is no hack for that. There's no magic pill for that, man. There's only doing the work, right? Yep. Only doing the work. The work is, uh, I used to say, the work is working, right? And if you commit yourself to doing that work, um, whether you feel like it's a good day or a bad day, you know, you, you have to push through it. I mean, there's adversity in everything that you do in this world. And um, it's about how you come out after it. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm blessed that I've been able to have the right people around me. Uh, my circle is as small as a dot. So everybody that's around me, I, you know, I trust, I appreciate. Um, and yeah, and just take it one day at a time. Good I love that. The work is working. The work is working really quickly. The, the circle you have around you is a dot. Why is that? Because you want to be very careful who you let in or what you let into your mind. Why is it so important to keep your circle that tight? Well, I just feel like, you know, especially being in a position that we are as professional athletes and whether you're an entertainer or anybody that's doing their job at the very best, right, at the very top, um, you have to be careful who you let in. And it can go from letting those people in and, and you know, you're telling certain people about your, your goals and your dreams and they're sending you negative energy without you even knowing it. Uh, it can be as simple as that. But, you know, throughout the years, I've learned how to just kind of trim the fat, so to speak, right? And every year, it's, you know, you have to assess, like, okay, who's, who's good in my life and who's not here for me? And uh, throughout my entire career, throughout my life outside of ball, I mean, that's just been a part of, you know, who I am. Just assessing where I am and, you know, who's really here. And, you know, so far as worked out, I haven't had to learn any lessons the hard way. He is an all-pro. He is a pro bowler. He's a former All-American at UCLA, the pride of Long Beach Poly, Mercedes Lewis. My man, I've been looking forward to this conversation since the last time we had a conversation, and I will look forward to our next conversation. Much respect. I appreciate you very much, and thanks so much for coming back on the program. Man, I appreciate you. Anytime you need me, I'm here, bro. Good night now!